0: listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at scriptures from Isaiah chapter 9 and also from 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to be talking about the fact that Jesus brings light to those in darkness. But before we do, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. First off, I want to invite you to visit our website, desirejesus.com. We have a whole bunch of resources over there. And as I mentioned last week, our newest resource is a book titled, Who is God? It's an encouraging study of God's nature, attributes, and transformative work in our lives. And it's something that I put together over the course of the past year, and it just became available just about a week ago. So I want to make sure that you got the chance to hear about it. But I think that it's the type of book that will be helpful to you if you're seeking to develop a deeper understanding of who God is. And likewise, if you want to develop a deeper appreciation of the work that he's doing in your day-to-day life, this book helps address that as well. In the book, we talk about the Trinity. We talk about how God has revealed himself to us. We also talk about how we should pray to God and what Scripture reveals to us about the pattern for prayer. Now, we've talked about some of these concepts here on the podcast as well, but if you'd like to have some of this teaching in book form, the book Who is God? is now available. You can find a link very easily on our website at desirejesus.com, or you can simply just go to amazon.com and search for Who is God that way. It's available in paperback. It's also available as an ebook. And if you do me the favor of leaving a review, I'll be happy to give you a Paperback copy for free. And the way you do that is you buy the Kindle copy, which is a little bit cheaper than the paperback, take some time to read it, and then send me an email to let me know that you've left an honest review on Amazon related to that. And I'll be happy to send you a signed paperback copy as my thank you. I can only do this for those who live here in the United States, so I apologize if you live in a different part of the world and I can't send that to you quite as easily. But if you have a United States address and you'd like a free paperback copy, pick up the Kindle edition, leave a review on Amazon once you get a chance to read it, and then send me an email to let me know what mailing address you'd like your signed paperback copy to go to, and I'll be happy to send it to you. So again, stop by DesireJesus.com and you can check out the newest book I've put out, Who is God? An Encouraging Study of God's Nature, Attributes, and transformative work in our lives. And I hope it's a blessing to you. Now, as I mentioned just a moment ago, today we're taking a look at Isaiah chapter 9 and also 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to be talking about the fact that Jesus brings light to those in darkness. And even though you'll be listening to this podcast a few days after Christmas, This is the message that I had the privilege to share with my congregation, Core Creek Community Church in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, on Christmas Eve. So you'll hear a few references to Christmas Eve in this podcast. But I hope that this teaching will be a blessing to you today. So let's take a look at God's Word together. A loud crash. And we were trying to figure out what on earth was that? And obviously, all of us were, you know, alert at that point. And, and I said to my wife, I said, it honestly sounds to me like the sound a dresser would make if it was tipped over. That's what it sounded like to me, like a dresser had fallen over. So immediately you think, did somebody just tip over a dresser? But we were all in the room together. So nobody tipped over a dresser. Then I thought to myself, like, what, what is this Exactly. And I'm picturing all sorts of things in my mind. I'm thinking, did somebody try and break in? And maybe they tripped over something on the floor upstairs and they fell. I'm like, but who would try and break in when all the lights are on and everybody's home? That would be a very bad burglar. And how did they get up there? And why would they choose to break in up there? And I'm thinking all sorts of things like that. But I go upstairs and I'm, I'm ready to see just about anything. And I start turning on lights and nothing is disturbed. Everything's exactly like I expected it to be. And I thought, that's odd. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it was something outside. Maybe something hit the house. And so I walked outside, and I'm looking at the house, and I don't see anything, but it's dark. And my son looks at me, and he said, hey, do you want me to get you a flashlight? I was like, I don't know how much it's going to help. I need to be able to see up there. And he's like, I actually just ordered something off the Internet. And I was like, what? And he said, it's the world's most powerful flashlight. And I said, the world's most powerful flashlight. We own the world's most powerful flashlight? By all means, bring it out. And I didn't expect it to be all that good, but he brought this thing out, and it was only this big, and I turned it on, and he was not lying. It was the world's most powerful flashlight. I stood across the street from my house and shined the thing on my roof expecting to see something that had landed on it, and I could see every shingle clearly. It was like a laser beam just lighting up my house, but nothing was out of the ordinary. Everything was fine. So I'm looking around the side of my house, the other side of the house. I'm just trying to figure out what that noise was. It ends up, it turns out that my neighbors were just having an outside fire and mixed in with the things that they were burning was something that ended up making a loud boom and alerted us and all the neighbors to you know the fact that, that something had just exploded. But it literally thought it made me think that something had crashed into my house. But again, thanks to the world's most powerful flashlight, I was able to see that the house was perfectly fine. Light is useful. Light is something we need. Light defeats the power of darkness. And that's what we're taking a look at tonight as we look at a couple scriptures together. Jesus is the light that's come into this world, and he lives within all who trust in him. And as he lives within us, he enables us to walk in the light while he also radiates light through our lives. Let me have a word of prayer for us, and then we're going to look at scripture together. Lord, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the privilege that you've given us this evening to be able to gather together and to look at your word together and to just commemorate an event that has eternal ramifications. The fact that you came to this earth and took on flesh. So Lord, we're grateful for the privilege that it is to be able to set aside this time together with our friends and family this evening. And we pray that you'd speak to our minds and speak to our hearts. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in just a moment, we're going to take a look at Isaiah chapter 9. And in Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to be looking at just two verses. The first one is verse 2, and the second is verse 6. But in it, it illustrates the fact that we were used to walking in darkness, but we don't need to any longer. Look with me, if you would, at that portion of Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness... On them has light shone. And then when you jump to verse 6 of Isaiah 9, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now let me pause there for just a moment and say this. Darkness is something that we're all reasonably familiar with. I'm guessing that for the most part darkness is one of the things, just one of the realities of life that we've all become rather accustomed to. Uh, my family, we have um, friends that actually live and work in Alaska, and for large stretches of the year it's completely dark where they live in Alaska. And I don't know that that would work so well for my family. My wife recently confessed to me that She's grateful that we're now past the start of winter because that means the days, and it's really psychological at this point, isn't it, when you're starting to think, hey, the days are getting longer. You know, it only, it starts getting, look at how much lighter it is at 4.50 in the afternoon. You know, it's way lighter than it was uh, a day ago. Days are getting longer, more daylight. It's so wonderful, right? We'd have a difficult time, we admitted, living in that kind of darkness that Alaska deals with for such a long stretch of the year. But there's a form of darkness that we can easily grow used to, that the Lord does not want us to acclimate ourselves to. And what I mean by that is this. Often when Scripture uses the phrase darkness, or the word darkness, it's speaking about living a life that's distant from God. And when we're living in spiritual darkness, as the Scripture describes it, the evidence of that reality starts to become very obvious. And what ends up happening is you start to, as you kind of do some self-examination, you notice that if you're living in darkness, your ambitions tend to be primarily worldly. And your desires tend to become things really that are centered around the accumulation of earthly goods. And your longings uh, for things like justice don't really become longings for justice. They tend to become longings for revenge instead of forgiveness. And our lives tend to become consumed with satisfying our fleshly appetites. That's the picture of darkness that Scripture describes when it's speaking about spiritual darkness. And I believe that it's that it's fair to say that for many people, that's how they're used to living their lives. But Jesus came to this earth with the goal to interrupt that pattern. He came to this earth to interrupt that pattern. Now, the portion of Scripture that I just read a moment ago was from the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah's book is one of the longer books of Scripture. It's one of the longest books of Scripture. And in his prophecy, he speaks about the coming Messiah. And the prophecy that I just read from Isaiah chapter 9 was a prophecy that was given about 700 years prior to Christ coming to this earth. But at that time, you have the Holy Spirit giving Isaiah a prophecy, a prophetic word that he wrote down related to the time of Christ's coming. And in that prophecy, Isaiah shares some interesting things. And he speaks of a light shining on those who had been walking in darkness. Jesus is that light. That's who Isaiah was speaking of. And so with compassion, Jesus looked upon those who had grown used to walking in darkness, and he came to them, and he revealed himself to them, and he showed them the light of his gospel. And Isaiah's prophecy speaks of Jesus with several proper titles. He referred to Christ as Wonderful Counselor. He referred to Christ as Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, So consider for just a moment what Isaiah was trying to tell us here as we consider that prophecy. What he was doing was he was revealing that the Messiah would be coming. And again, this was given 700 years before Christ fulfilled these words. But he revealed that the Messiah would be coming and he would be God himself. That the Messiah would be God himself who would be coming. The father of salvation. The counselor who brings the deepest level of comfort. The one who has the ability to grant uh, the ultimate kind of peace that our hearts are longing for. That's what Isaiah was talking about as he communicated those words that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write down. Jesus satisfies the deepest hunger of our souls. We were used to walking in darkness, but we don't need to any longer because the Prince of Peace has come. That's what Isaiah was setting up by talking about these things in Isaiah chapter 9, as the Holy Spirit gave him these words to speak. But now I want to jump to the New Testament in 1 John chapter 1, where you have John... Uh, someone who was an apostle of Jesus Christ, somebody who had seen Jesus with his own eyes and for a period of years had walked with Christ and learned from Christ and heard Christ directly teach and saw Christ directly do miracles and all of those things. John was also inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen certain things down. He was a leader in the early church. And one of the things that John talks about when you get into 1 John chapter 1 is that Jesus makes us able to walk in the light. Look at what it says in verses five to seven of first John chapter one. The apostle John said this. He says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. It's a beautiful portion of Scripture, and I think it's a great portion of Scripture for us to be meditating on this evening as it's Christmas Eve. But let me ask this. Growing up, did you have some interesting friends? I had some pretty interesting friends growing up. Do ever anyone have a have a friend that if you had to characterize them in any particular way, you'd probably say, yeah, the, the primary way I would characterize that particular friend was that he was a show-off. Did someone come to mind? By the scowls on some of the faces that I just saw, somebody came to mind. You're thinking of a specific person. Now, next year is going to be my 25th high school reunion. And I don't know if anything's planned, but if anything gets planned, I'll probably go to it. I've gone to every other reunion we had, and the first reunion we had was our 10-year reunion, and at our 10 year reunion, we were at an outside pavilion. And while we were sitting there at that pavilion, somebody came fashionably late to that pavilion and he pulled up in a pretty fancy sports car and made sure to pull in really quickly on the gravel so that he could stop and turn his car really quickly as he was entering into his parking spot. So nobody could mistake who had just, you know, just arrived at this reunion. And then he got out of the car and I remember as he was walking toward the pavilion thinking to myself, it's almost like he's waiting for us to applaud him, like, "Yay! You know how to use your emergency brake when you're trying to slide into a parking lot. Wow! You, really great drifting. You know, ten years since high school, you've 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 really learned a lot about how to drive a fancy sports car." But I remember thinking, I was like, you know, you kind of think that showing off. Would have ended when we were a little bit younger, right? But it really didn't end. You know, some people just kind of carry that all throughout the course of their lives. And when you look at the portion of scripture that I just read from, when Jesus came into this world, he could have showed off, right? He could have been a, shown up, like a show off and um, would have been perfectly justified in doing that. You know, if you speak creation into existence and have the ability to raise the dead, you could do that in a loving way or you could do that in a show off way and you have, kind of have a choice in that respect. But when Christ came into this world, he didn't come here to show off. That wasn't his goal when he came to this earth. Scripture multiple times here is now referring to Jesus as the light. And he certainly came to convince us of that truth, the fact that he is the light. But again, he did not show off. He didn't come to this earth to show off. What he was doing was he was looking to impart his light. He was looking to impart his light to us, and to enable us through his supernatural power to walk in that light. And in 1 John chapter 1, we're told that in God, there is no darkness at all. And part of what John is communicating here in this portion of Scripture is that there is nothing wicked or nothing sinful in God, meaning that by nature, God is perfect in all his ways. And amazingly, God wants to be both our Father and our friend. Doesn't that amaze you to just think about that for a second? That the one who would create all creation, the one who would speak the universe into existence, looks at lowly people like me and you and says, not only do I want to be your father, but I also want to be your friend. And when you look at Scripture, that's something that the Lord communicates very clearly. He doesn't want us to live distant from Him. It's His desire to have fellowship with you and with me and with all of us. He wants us to live up close with him. He wants you and I to live with a heightened awareness of his presence, no longer thinking of him as being distant or, or being in the clouds or being far away, but realizing that he's right here, present in every single room that we inhabit. I think it makes a huge difference. And by the way, I think this is one of the marks of spiritual maturity, I think this is one of the defining lines between when somebody's spiritually mature or doesn't yet possess spiritual maturity. And I think that defining line is this. It makes a huge difference in our lives when we begin to live with an understanding of the fact that God is near instead of mistakenly thinking of him as just being a distance from us. When you live every single day conscious of the fact that God is near, that makes an impact on your day-to-day experience. It makes an impact on your day-to-day decisions. In fact, when we see Christ, what we're seeing is God coming near. But the scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 1 that if we say we walk in fellowship with God, and if we say that we, you know, that we claim to have a relationship with him, yet we continue to embrace the dark side of life in this world that is really just fueled by our selfish ambition or our sinful desires, what we're actually doing is we're demonstrating that we don't know God at all. We may know a lot about Him. We may even believe that He exists. But yet we haven't experienced the blessing of a personal relationship with Him yet. But when we walk in the light of Christ, as you have the Apostle John speaking about in this passage, as those who have come to know God the Father through God the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're demonstrating that our faith is genuine, that our love for God is sincere, and that we've welcomed the cleansing work of Christ, whereby He has cleansed us from all sin by the shedding of His blood on the cross on our behalf. And as we trust in Christ and as we experience the forgiveness that he offers, he enables us and he empowers us to walk in the light. We're made able to walk as he walked, not in our natural strength, but in his power. And that's something that Christ desires that we do, that we walk in the light as he is in the light. But the Apostle John also clarifies one additional thing, and this is where I want to conclude this evening. And that's this. When you look at first John chapter one, verse eight down to verse ten, it tells us that we don't have to pretend to be perfect to impress one another. We don't have to be perfect to impress one another. Um, by the way, when um anyone here getting together with family either tonight or tomorrow, some additional things you've got going on. Do you already have your clothing picked out? You know, you got your clothing picked out, uh you probably, you know, do your hair up, wear makeup. Uh, guys probably put a little cologne on. for It's Christmas, right? Might as well smell good one day of the year, right? Um, Isn't there a part of us that kind of wants to impress other people? Don't you think, do you notice that? Like, I'll just, I'll admit that about myself. That's something that, you know, when I think about it, it's like sometimes I ask myself, like, why are you doing what you're doing right now? Are you doing this because you think it's the right thing to do? Or are you doing this because you think that this would be something impressive or something beyond that. And when you look at what it tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, it tells us that we don't have to be people who pretend that we're perfect to impress one another. Now, why am I saying that? Well, look at what it says here in this portion of Scripture. It says, "...if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins." and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. How difficult is it for you to admit when you've made a mistake? You don't have to answer that out loud. Your spouse will answer that for you. Um, that could be a challenging thing, right? Right? Uh, I think for most of us, that could be a a difficult thing. But isn't it nice when you're in a context where you feel like you can completely let down your guard, and and whether you make a mistake or not, you're still going to be perfectly accepted by the people that you're together with? I had an experience. This this actually happened just last night. We were driving uh, in our van, all four kids, my wife and I, all six of us in the van together, and my son was trying to look at something. And it was dark, so I thought, oh, I'll be a good father right now, and I'm going to turn the dome light on for him, right? Like any good father would. So I reached over, and I don't usually drive the van. I usually drive our other vehicle, and my wife usually drives the van. But I reached over, and like a good dad, I turned on the dome light, and I flicked it on for him. And he was able to read what he was looking at, and then I tried to flick it off, but I was like, it's not going off. It's like, why is that not going off? So I'm messing with the button. I'm like, "It's not. this is having no effect on the light, is this broken? I'm thinking, what, what's wrong with this? And then my wife looks at that and she, she says to me, what, like, what are you trying to do right now? It's like, I'm trying to turn the light on and off, but it doesn't seem to be working. And she said, that's because you're turning that vent on and off. You're changing the airflow in the vehicle. If you'd like to change where the light works, that's over here. But he has a control back there and doesn't even need you to do anything. I was like, oh, all right. And then at my expense, my entire family proceeded to laugh at me. And I thought it was pretty funny, too. But moments like that, it's kind of nice when you're in a context where you feel like, all right, well, these people love me, so they're allowed to laugh at me. But there is a little bit of a part of us that sometimes thinks, do I have to present myself as perfect to other people? And when you look at what the Scripture actually tells us, it reveals to us, we do not have to pretend to be perfect to impress one another. You don't have to do that, and, and this Scripture confirms it. One of the biggest obstacles, by the way, that tends to get in the way of many people experiencing a relationship with God is their insistence on being seen as perfect already. So when people point out our insufficiencies or when people point out our errors in life, that could be the type of thing that's challenging to receive well. If people critique you or if they nitpick or if they point different things out that might even be true, it still can be difficult to receive that information. But here's the thing. We aren't okay on our own. You and I, on our own, are not okay. I think that could be a little bit offensive to share in certain contexts, to say, on our own, we are not okay. But isn't that what the Scripture is actually telling us? It's saying, John, on your own, you're not okay. It's saying to each of us, on your own, you're not okay. Jesus came into this world, and what did he come to this earth to do? He came to people who were walking, the Scripture says, in darkness. He came to those who were walking in darkness, not to those who had no need for his help. If we had no need for his help, why would he have come? He didn't come to this earth because we didn't need him. He came to this earth because we did need him. And if we falsely claim that we're already perfect, and that we don't all have sins and struggles and shortcomings, we're effectively saying, Jesus, nice try, but I don't need you. I'm already fine. I don't need I know that you said that you needed to come to this earth to help those who were walking in darkness, but that's for other people, not for me. I'm already fine. I don't need you. Now, even to joke about that, even to say that hypothetically, it actually pains me and it feels kind of weird to even joke about that. But in addition to that, if you look at what the scripture is saying, it's saying that if we claim to be perfect apart from Christ, we're effectively claiming that God is a liar. That's the way the Apostle John phrases it here. He's like, you could say that about yourself. You could say that you don't need Christ. But in saying that you don't need Christ, effectively what you're saying is that God is a liar. Because He says you do. He says you do need Christ. He says that you need to be saved by the Savior. So either I'm telling, you know, either we're telling the truth or God's telling the truth. And in the end, what ultimately needs to be acknowledged is that, is that God is the, the source of all truth. And when he says that we need a Savior, guess what? We need a Savior. We need to be rescued. And the good news is that in Christ, we can drop our disguises. We can drop our pretenses. We don't have to pretend like we're perfect any longer. I don't have to pretend like I'm perfect. Those that know me best know I'm certainly not. You don't have to pretend that you're perfect. I'm sure that those that know you best can say, oh yeah, definitely not. We can put down the pretense. We can put down the disguises. We don't have to play that game anymore. We can simply look at Christ and thank Him that He came into this world to rescue us. And here's the ironic thing. We didn't even know that we needed to be rescued until He made that need known to us. We didn't even know. Why didn't we know? Well, because as the Scripture says, we were walking around in darkness. We didn't even know what we were looking at. We couldn't even see it clearly to begin with. We were content to walk in darkness. But now through him, we can experience the gift of his righteousness. We can walk in his light. So tonight, it's Christmas Eve. It's a beautiful time of year. We have the opportunity to think about these things. We have the opportunity to look at what the Word of God says. We have the opportunity to enjoy celebrating this time together with our families. And it's also the perfect time for us to individually and collectively thank Him for loving us like this. Jesus brings light to those in darkness. And he gives us the divinely orchestrated privilege to experience the light of His goodness, the joy of His forgiveness, and eternal salvation if we trust in Him. We think a lot about gifts during this time of year, and when you look at what Scripture says, Scripture reveals to us that Christ desires to give you and me that gift from Him the light of His goodness the joy of forgiveness and eternal salvation through faith in Him. If you invite Him into your life, if you welcome Him to be your Lord, the Scripture tells us that we will be granted the privilege to experience the joy of His salvation forever. Now in just a few moments, we're going to light candles together and celebrate the fact that Christ is the light. And he's come to us to reveal that light to us, to reveal himself to us. But as we finish up, I want to read two more scriptures for us, and I'll bring them up here on the screen. First is from John chapter 8, verse 12, and it says this, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in John chapter 12, it tells us this. It says, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. As we trust in Jesus Christ, He takes us out of that darkness and He brings us into His kingdom of light and He refers to us as His family, as sons of light, as men and women who have the privilege to be united to Him together forever, completely cleansed of our unrighteousness and given the gift of His righteousness and given the privilege and the joy and the gift to live in His presence for all eternity. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for... Your word, and for the privilege that it is for us to be able to come together this evening and to meditate on these truths and to recognize that you looked at us with compassion and you came to this earth desiring to help those who were in darkness. You came to this earth to show us your light. You came to this earth to empower us to walk in your light as we trust in you. So, Lord, we pray that for each and every one of us gathered here together this evening, that if up to this point we have tried to live life as if we are able to get away with being distant from you, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to experience a complete turnaround. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand that apart from you, if we're trying to do life on our own, in our own merits, in our own strength, if we're trying to go about things in such a way that we think that we can truly be self-sufficient. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to become convinced of our need for you, that you are the one who is sufficient and that you supply everything that we need. Lord, our hearts were lost apart from you. We had no hope, we had no future, and we didn't even realize that we were in that lost state. We were content to pursue the things and the ambitions of this world. And we had no desire for Your presence in our lives. But Lord, we're grateful for the fact that You've revealed Yourself to us. And Lord, each and every one of us gathered together in this room this evening. Some of us know each other, some of us don't. But Lord, we do have the privilege, each and every one of us, to become part of Your family, united together with You forever as we trust in You. And so Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be a single adult or a single child that would not experience the joy of salvation that You offer. Lord, we pray that every single one of us would experience that joy and that tonight, even as we prepare to light candles together and sing together as we close out our time, we pray, Lord, that this would be a time where we're able to reflect on your goodness and reflect on who you are and how you operate in our lives and how you intervened on our behalf. How you interjected yourself into the lives of those walking in darkness so that we could walk in your light. Help us, Lord, to trust in you and to receive the gift of salvation that you offer. We commit ourselves to you now, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, the newest book I've put out, the book Who is God, is now available as a paperback or as an ebook. and you can find more information about that at our website, desirejesus.com, or you can find more information at amazon.com. And I hope you'll check the book out. I hope you enjoy it, and I likewise hope that it's a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. There's nothing in this world that He cannot do if we truly allow His love. We can do nothing without Him. Anything that we do apart from Him is not something that's permanent. All need is grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family.